Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Today's episode is brought to you by Basecap. So I remember when, you know, really building companies as an entrepreneur, how really frustrating is when you have people missing out deadlines, there's people that are not copied on emails, and then, you know, like everyone ends up failing in the pursuit of, of, of accomplishing things. So email is really great when you're doing one-to-one conversations, but when you have a ton of people there copied, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be missing out on stuff. So for project management, I actually found Basecamp and I found it to be a really fantastic solution. You know, basically what they are is a collaboration type of uh, tool that allows people to really engage with their offer message boards, the to-dos, the schedules, their document sharing, the group chats, and other tools that are going to help you in taking the game of your company to the next level. So go to Basecamp.com forward slash dealmakers and sign up today for their 30-day free trial. And there is no credit card that is required and you can cancel at any time. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a pretty amazing guest. You know, we're going to be talking a lot about, the you know, scaling, financing, I mean, growing everything that comes really with building, you know, a company from nothing. And also, you know, like what happens, you know, when you're in the travel space and, and you have an event like COVID. So I think that, you know, without a doubt, you're going to find this episode very inspiring. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Noam Toyster. Welcome to the Dealmaker Show. Hi, Alejandro. Nice to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. So originally born in Israel, there in Jerusalem. So how was life growing up? I think uh, growing up in Jerusalem is a pretty good experience. Uh, it's a very, very uh, culturally mixed city. Uh, one of the most special cities in the world, I think. Very different from any other place. But uh, generally, I grew up as any other kid. Like I, I had a, um, a warm family with two parents that were teachers that basically grew up uh, steadily and nicely during their years. And how come did you get this, you know, kind of like business drive instead of like maybe academia since your parents were teachers? Yeah, re- really good question. They, nobody knows where that came from, really. I think that uh, um, it started uh, sometime when I was a student. I was working as a, uh, a salesperson in a camping store. And at some point I got promoted to being the manager of the store. And I started to actually you know, learn a little bit about real businesses, you know, income, uh, expenses. Uh, suppliers, customers, and so on, and that kind of got me interested in in different aspects of business. And and uh, at that point, I was a student. I was studying psychology, and it was kind of clear to me that I'm not going to be a psychologist. I was looking for what's my next step, and I said, okay, this is you know I kind of enjoyed this world, so let's go and and study an MBA, and which is what I did. And during the MBA, I kind of came up with some sort of business plan to a a, a startup uh, during some course, which uh, ended up actually becoming a real company after I graduated. So, um, you know, kind of the, the, this whole couple of years gave me the, the confidence or the actual uh, belief that, hey, you know, I can go into that direction even though it's not something that I ever thought I, I would end up doing. And, and obviously this, um, this company called Verdata, you know, what you were doing there was mobile advertising. So I know that, 
you know, that was a bootstrap company. But obviously, the outcome was not the one that you had hoped for. And in fact, you ended up winding down the operation. And as they say, you either succeed or you learn when it comes to startups, right? So, so what, what was that journey like? And also, what was that lesson, you know, that you needed to learn from that, from that journey? Yeah, so Verdetta was, was basically a bootstrapped company. It was a, a location-based advertising company. So we were focusing on the location-based advertising market uh, back in the days when it was pretty complicated to do on mobile phones. And we gave a solution that was a pretty good solution and worked for many advertisers in, in Israel and actually generated a, a nice, uh, significant amounts of money. So I would say it was a, a failure in that sense because it was a, a business that generated income and, and uh, basically provided work for, for several people and for myself, obviously. But uh, I guess the biggest mistake that we did as a startup was building a, pro a product that was really like suitable for the Israeli market. And we didn't have the, the product uh, match to actually penetrate the U.S. market or other markets, other bigger markets. And we ended up being a uh, lifestyle business that then generated money and was doing good good business, but wasn't a startup that explodes and, and, and you know, turns you into like the biggest uh, company in your industry and changes things in the world, which is, you know, something that you, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they go into a business, is what they want to do. Uh, actually affect a real kind of uh, industry or or, or a world that uh, that exists today. So for that, it turned out to be a lifestyle business, not exactly what I what I wanted to do in my life. So I winded it down at some point. And in this case, I mean, winding it down, you know, you ended up uh, consulting for a few years. Now consulting, you get to you know meet different people, see different you know types of stuff. So so what was that like for you? I actually enjoyed it a lot because I I, uh, I taught myself to teach. I didn't come from a technical background, but I taught myself to 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 code front end. So I ended up uh, doing two things: one, consulting other startups on on uh, how what not what not to do. Right, don't do the mistakes that uh, that I I've done in the startup uh, in the last four years, and and you know what how to do things better. And and second, basically just building a websites and, and online tools for different companies that needed it as a freelancer. And I kind of like that lifestyle. It allows you a lot of flexibility, generates income, and, uh, and, and sort of, I guess it suits my personality of, of you know, being my own boss. So I did that for, for a few years and, and, and I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was always looking for, you know, the next big thing. I was always looking for my next good startup idea. And I tried several things. Um, and, and, and each time, you know, I iterate and iterate until, you know, I realized this new idea is either working or not working and moved on. Um, and that's the point where I basically got to book away, which worked amazingly. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But when you were trying and figuring things out, I mean, you really got to learn. I mean, you even tried, you know, like with these uh, initiatives with different partners that it didn't work out. So what did you learn about, you know, choosing the right partner or, or, or being with you know, maybe the wrong partners. Yeah, I think partner is partnering is uh, choosing the right partners is one of the most important things that that you have to do in a in a business. And a lot of times, it's it's really hard to know in advance. Um, there is, it's like like the like job interviews, which as as you might know, are not super reliable, right? So you you can end up inter interviewing an employee for four or five uh, sessions. And then the success rate would still not be 99%, right? A lot of employees would end up being not the right person for your company. 
And if you're not, so so that's the, so there's two options, right? So either you partner with someone that you have not known before, and you need to spend a lot of time with him before you understand that that he's a he's a fit, and you might understand it only after you know a few months. So that's very important that when you choose partners, you also make sure that you have your founders agreement, and and uh, it kind of bounds the, the possibilities and defines what happens if you don't get along, and, and allows you to kind of split ways uh, in a polite and uh, and friendly way because both sides need to understand that. You know, it's a possibility that you you won't uh, uh, you won't get along, uh, or, or one of the people in in the partnership won't have the right skills to take that company to to where it needs to be. And the other option is actually partnering with someone that you know for many years, a friend, and then you you say to yourself it's going to be fine, but but it turn, turns out that working with friends is not always uh, the same as as uh, you know hanging out with friends. Um, and again, solution is is a is a fair and a transparent uh, agreement in advance. And in your case, I mean, you ended up going into your honeymoon, and that was the kind of like what led to to really what you're doing now. But during that honeymoon, you went to the Philippines, and uh, you decided to take a bus to a heritage area, and that kind of like sparked the idea for what ended up being Bookaway. So, can you walk us through the chronology of events there, through the sequence of events in order to really bring Bookaway to life? Yeah. So, I was. Traveling in my honeymoon, and I'm trying to get to a place in the north of Manila in the Philippines, which is called Manawi, and it's a uh, it, it's very famous rice terraces. Uh, it's considered a world heritage site, I think, and, and everybody goes there. And it's pro- basically impossible to book the bus there. It's a nine-hour bus, and to buy the bus ticket, you need to get a taxi to the bus station, buy the bus ticket, and come back the next day because the the buses are always fully booked on the same day. And and this is what we did. It's, it takes about four hours because of Manila traffic. It's crazy. And you wait, you end up wasting a day. And then you come back to the bus station the next day. And you realize that everyone are, did the same drill. Everyone are tourists there. And they took a taxi and they bought the, the ticket on the station. And that's how it, worked, it goes. And it seemed, seemed crazy to me because in 2016, you book your hotels online, you book flights online. Why would you have to take taxis to book a bus ticket? But that was the situation. So I came back to Israel and I, I built a very, very simple website that uh, basically allowed you to book bus tickets on that very specific route. And when uh, and I basically I contacted the local travel agent and I told him, go to the bus station, bus, buy, buy tickets and take a photo of them. So I and, and and I received a bunch of photos of tickets and I used to send it to the customers every time they booked. And the customer would show the bus ticket at the station on his phone and would go on the bus. And the bus company at that point didn't even know that it was me who sold the tickets. As far as they knew, it might have been at the station, but, but it's just a picture of the tickets. And it worked, and it worked very well. And, and that thing sold and was sold few hundreds of dollars a, a day and and without any marketing efforts right so i did i did the marketing myself and i'm not a, a marketing professional uh, at that point and uh and uh, i'm not an adverse professional anyway and uh and it worked very well so i decided to duplicate it and i did it in a couple of other places in uh, the philippines and then i moved to to trying it out in vietnam and realizing you know, the same drill works in different places. And when I ended up researching the industry, I realized it's just an underserved industry inside travel. While you book hotels online, you book flights online, 
transportation is not a digitized market yet. So most of the operators, uh, the bus companies, the ferry companies in the world do not work online. And that's uh, crazy to me. And, uh, and, and at that point, I knew that this is a real opportunity. And, uh, and then we kind of, I kind of, uh, I got a co-founder and, uh, and we turned this uh, bunch of, of uh, separate websites into one platform that actually sells transportation in, in different places in, in Asia. And we raised our seed round uh, to actually scale it up. So I guess for the for for the people that are listening to really get it, what ended up being the business model of Bookaway? How do you guys make money? So we buy the bus tickets from the bus companies. We get a, a discount from the bus companies because we sell quite a lot for them, and then we sell it to the customer. We would take some processing fee on on top of that. So so uh, you probably. Uh, I end up paying a little bit more than you would pay in the station, but you get the service online, you get the, the ticket delivered to you by email, and so on. So we, this is the model. We can get a commission off the ticket that we sell. This ad is brought to you by ShipStation. I mean, I remember when I was saying, doing my book, my previous book, you know, it was incredible, like how much of a nightmare, you know, like shipping all those books to everyone, you know, during the launch was, was it, was, it was really tough. Now, you know, there's this company, it's called ShipStation, that sets you up for growth directly by integrating every shopping cart and storefront so that your products are easier to find, easier to manage, uh, easier to get into the hands of the happy customers. So there's no more limiting your business. You can actually right now maximize your sales and save times with consolidated order management and automated shipping updates for your customers. So ship more and grow with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com today and sign up with promo code DEALMAKERS to a free 60-day free trial. Start today and get to set up before the biggest shipping season of the year. That's two months free. Visit ShipStation.com and click the microphone at the top and type in code DEALMAKERS. I got to tell you that you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieversen, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. So you got started in 2017, but nobody would tell you that March 2020, you know, would be knocking. 
you know, and COVID. And especially for you, it was earlier because you guys were serving, you know, the, the, the region of Asia where we're really, you know, like uh, where everything started. So, so how was that phase? You know, tell us, you know, when you realize that there's something off and, and what, what happened after? Well, nobody knew there's going to be a pandemic. <laughs> and no, nobody expected that. And in 2020, early 2020, we start, we, the, the pandemic basically started. And we were one of the companies that felt it very early because most of our business at that time was focused in Asia. And we saw a significant drop in sales in, in basically overnight. Uh, sales dropped by 50%. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, uh, Almost ninety percent decline. Nobody like tra- Asia free- froze. Nobody, nobody tra- used to travel, and that was March twenty twenty. And as a company, that's a very, very traumatic experience because you end up being at a point where you have to make very, very hard decisions, uh, or you're not going to be there uh, the ne- a year later. And what we end up doing is basically deciding to. That was post our A round, by the way. So at that point, we did have some some uh, great investors backing us, and and we sat down with them and we decided we need to make sure that the company so survives the next two years. So we had to cut down on expenses, let a lot of great people go, um, and refocus the company on on long term efforts such as improving the technology, improving the content, contact contracting more companies worldwide, and and uh, waiting for the COVID to to subside, which. At that point, in March 2020, everybody thought it was going to take like six months, right? Everybody said, you know, the, the virus doesn't last, uh, the heat is going to kill the virus. So that's what we ended up doing. And about six months later, it was kind of clear that that uh, the COVID is something that's here for at least a year or two. And, uh, and as a company, we need to either, either change strategy and do something differently or or we're not going to be here, or, or or maybe just send everyone home and tell them to come back after COVID, right? And that's the point where we were facing. And I think at that point, the company has a couple of options. One would be actually pivoting the product into something a little bit different. Another option would really be to sort of hibernate a lot of the employees and and uh, and, and wait, wait it out. Um, what we ended up doing is taking a different strategy and looking at the market and saying COVID is here, but, it, but but it's going to end. It doesn't matter if it's going to take a year, two, or five years, but it's going to end. And when it ends, we want to get out of this crisis on the other side, a much stronger company. What we ended up doing is actually raising more money from our current investors and new investors that believe in our, in our vision and consolidating four different competitors that we had into, into Bookaway. Creating kind of the the biggest uh, ground transportation company uh, in 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 these regions. So basically, you took uh, you took advantage, and you saw some of those other companies that were folding, and you just bought them out. Is that what was that? Well, that was what you what you guys did. This is uh, part of the strategy. But what we actually did is we partnered with uh, founders, other found, like-minded founders, and what what we did is is we talked to a lot of companies and and. Uh, the founders and the companies that we believed are really great companies and could tie into our vision and believed in, in the same vision as we did of digitizing the entire transportation industry and believe that there is a global opportunity to do it and that we can do it together, then, then, uh, then, we, then we, joined, we actually ended up uh, merging with them into one big company. 
so yeah, technically we took we took companies that that uh, were in the same situation as us, and we kind of convinced them to and inspired them to actually actually dream bigger, and and uh, mm-hmm. and, and sort of realize that there is a bigger opportunity post COVID. That's amazing. Well, it's as the saying goes, when it's sunny, it's hard to overturn a car. And when it's raining, you can overturn 15 in one go. So it sounds like you guys, you know, like really took advantage and, and had a really, you know, solid and crystal clear vision, you know, and, 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 and that's remarkable. Now, for you guys, how much capital have you raised to date? To date, we've raised over $80 million capital. $80 million. And the... the the most recent round that you guys did, you know, was actually quite recent. I mean, that was uh, done in 2022. So obviously you've done, you know, the A, you did the venture round, the B last year, and then the C this year. So how different, you know, would you say that uh, that that those rounds have been? You know, what has been the progression, especially given the challenges, uh, you know, that you faced with, with COVID to raise the money? I think the most challenging round was, was the B round, was the round that... Uh, we we came to investors with uh, almost no revenue and at a point where there was no vaccine available even and said, look, COVID is going to end and this is the opportunity. And with this amount of funding, we can create a, this, this, this big of a company, right? So it, it, we can take a relatively not huge amount and, and create a, a billion dollar company. Uh, right after COVID, and that was a hard pitch, and we and and uh, it required very unique and very and very bold investors to 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 go along with it. Uh, luckily, it worked, right? So uh, that was, I guess, the, the most uh, the hardest round. Uh, afterwards, it was kind of uh, not as hard to, to to raise the rounds because what we have done actually proved itself to to be successful. So so company companies merged. And the sales grew, and we see a, a huge value in the synergy between the different companies, um, and, and that that is easier. So I guess the B round was the the hardest one. And then, having said that, every funding round is very hard. The, any entrepreneur that tells you, "Hey, just go to the VC and they tell them give me a hundred million dollars," doesn't work like that. I hear you. I hear you now. For the people that are listening, to get a good understanding on the scope and size of Bookaway today, I mean, anything that you can share in terms of number of employees or anything that you feel comfortable sharing? So Bookaway today is uh, 350 employees globally. We have grown way over to what we were in 2019 as, you know, as Bookaway and as, as the sort of consolidated uh, company that we've created. Um, and we see the travel recovery and we see that... Uh, that things are picking up uh, very, very nicely. So we basically, let's just say that we we, we did this kind of uh, ambitious move during COVID to become a multi-billion dollar company, and we are on path to be there. Now, you know, it's amazing, you know, like the the what you guys did with COVID, you know, and how you really took advantage of, you know, a breakdown in the in the space and how you really you know, took it to your advantage so that now you can thrive, you know, coming out of it. So I guess, you know, for you as a leader, and I guess more as a human being, you know, that was, that was a tough time. I mean, how, who did you need it to be in order to really, you know, get over, you know, the hurdle? I mean, I'm sure it was not easy for you. It was a very hard time for me and my co-founders and also, but, you know, even more for my employees because they saw a lot of their friends go home. 
they had to work in in an uncertain environment where they're doing stuff that actually affects nothing, right? Because there's no customers, right? So you deploy things to production, you get you get new 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 bus companies working with you, but there's no customers. So they they work in an environment that they're saying, oh, what what am I doing here? And and I think that the most important thing, first of all, as a personal level, you have to be very very kind of, uh, I guess, strong and 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 a little bit. You have to be comfortable with uncertainty. Otherwise, it's kind of hard to do this. But but that's kind of true about every, I guess, startup experience. But on the company level, I think that the most important thing that helped us helped us was transparency, because we we didn't keep this to ourselves, and we never said to anyone, not our investors and not our employees, "Hey, everything is fine. Don't worry." We were very very clear about where we are, what are the problems, um, what are the chances that that you know. What are we doing to get over these problems, and what are the chances that that doesn't work? And and we made sure to create a a financial kind of situation where we could promise all the current in, employees, look, everything is fine until a certain date, right? So we got a year, a year and a half, or a year and a half from now. Until then, nothing, you know, nothing's gonna change. If things don't improve until, you know. 2022, yeah, it's a, we, we're all in the same boat. Um, but I think that's what is most important is being very transparent and very outspoken and open about the problem and what, how you want to solve it and, uh, and being, you know, having everyone as part of the process. Now, imagine if you were to go to sleep tonight, Noam, and mm-hmm. uh, you wake up in a world where the vision of Bookaway is fully realized. What does that world look like? So you're basically booking a, fl- a uh, flight to the online. So you would book a bus, a train, uh, a ferry, also just a car with a driver anywhere in the world in two minutes from your phone with the easiest seamless experience with all the information that you need. So you would know exactly where that bus comes from, what it looks like, uh, where you, you have to board it, what are the amenities that uh, that you have on the bus? Wi-Fi, no Wi-Fi, TV, no TV, and you would book it online because that that's the only way to do it. That's the most natural way to do it. Why would you not book it online? To make that happen, it would mean at that point that Bookaway has has a, a sort of a connections with with all the companies in the world. That our software, the, we we also provide, by the way. SaaS software for bus companies to go online. And that software is distributed in a significant part of the market already. And uh, and that Bookaway is the top of mind for uh, ground transportation and sea transportation, which I, by the way, call travel. So so travel is a, is a big world, which includes hotels and flights and so on. But for me, the actual experience of traveling is is moving between destinations in a, con- in a new country. Right? So Hotels is hotels. You're staying in, in a place. You're enjoying it. It's great. Flights is pretty standard. It's traveling, but it's flight. The actual experience of getting around a new country, that is traveling. So for us, Bukowa is about traveling, and we want to be the top of mind of traveling. I love it. Now, imagine if I was to put you into a time machine, and I bring you back in time. Maybe, maybe to that time where you know, you were coming out of the MBA, you knew that you wanted to do business, you wanted to do something of your own, and 
And you had the opportunity of going back in time and having a chat with that younger self, with that younger Noam. And uh, being able to give that younger Noam one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? Yeah, I think that advice would be whatever you're building is is um, find someone, a person, a company that is, really wants to pay you for, for whatever you're building. Not, not saying, hey, that could be nice. I would try it. That just comes to me and say, take my money and shut up. Take my money, build it and shut up. That's when you know you have a good idea. I love it. So clear validation, right? So building on, on data versus assumptions, right? Yeah, but because a lot of, you know, what I did in, in the first, uh, you know, as a sort of young entrepreneur is, is a lot of times I, I came and I said, I talked to this huge uh, cellular company and I said, this is my idea and so on. They said, yeah, this could be nice. You know, let us discuss it internally. Nice idea. And I came, I came out of the meeting and saying, yeah, they said it's nice idea. No, that's if they said, okay, this is account. This is the accountant telling your bank account. This is a good idea. Got it. Now, Noam, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi to you? Uh, you can reach out on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, my email is pretty straightforward. Noam at bookaway.com. I tend to answer um, any any relevant uh, approach. Amazing. Well, hey, Noam, it has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Thanks for having me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.